Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. It is I, your co-host Austin Smith, along with my main man John Kirby. John, it's a big week. I hear, I heard that. Yeah, we're playing some team that you may or may not be familiar with. Yeah. You may remember them from such plays as the Harbotch or Ooh. the botched punt heard around the world. I don't really, did we ever settle on a name for that? It, I think it didn't need a name. It does. Like, it is that awesome. And <laughs> it defies description. Man, I can't wait to see all those replays before the game. Oh, yeah, I'm already enjoying them. And if you missed it on The Only Colors, go back and reread Matt Sheehan's piece on his 16 favorite moments of the the punt that everybody remembers. The last time Michigan State was in Ann Arbor, like they will be, uh, this Saturday at what, 7.30 Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, to yeah. take on Michigan. Um, there was one of the most insane plays in college football history, that that ending that no one will ever forget where they were. Uh, I was going to ask you if you knew or remembered where you were. Obviously, you do, but I actually know the answer to this question. Hit me. No, I right? You were at the the, the Arrogant Frog, the Michigan State Bar. I wasn't. You weren't? No. You weren't there? No. Oh, no. That's I, embarrassing. I chose to watch it in solitude. Oh, my God. I needed to be alone uh, amongst a very <laughs> private group of individuals. I don't trust myself on these types of weekends. But my favorite part about this game um, will be that it's on ABC, and a lot of the country is like, oh, yeah, I guess I kind of forgot about that. Man, Michigan yeah. really botched it, huh? <laughs> and so a lot of people were we kind of reminded about this. Yeah. So we're ingrained in it, but um, welcome back, uh, rest yeah. of country. Bringing it back to the national consciousness is not a bad thing. Hit them with the social plug. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting worse at this. <laughs> okay, obviously we're good at banter here on the podcast, but we're even better on Twitter where you don't actually have to listen to us. Uh, my Twitter handle is at ACSmith06. John is at, is at John underscore Kirby. I'm going to try and tweet more. Yeah, you should. I'm going to try. I'm not going to tweet less. So okay, if sure. you're annoyed already, you're a bridge too far. So we'll get into the uh, – we got a lot of Michigan – 
to come up conversations yep. in Michigan State approach and, and potentially even some predictions. But before that, there's some pretty crazy news that broke last week. Yes. Uh, that didn't directly affect our program, but indirectly may. It, it definitely could. Um, so we're going to we're gonna deviate here and we're going to talk a little college basketball first. Obviously, there's this massive recruiting scandal that's gone on that has affected some of the biggest college basketball cro- programs in the entire country, the likes of uh, Arizona. You've seen Miami, Florida, I believe, is investigated. Don't forget, and Auburn, South Auburn, Carolina. Yeah, Auburn, South Carolina. <laughs> and then the biggest of the big is Louisville. Yeah. Uh, Rick Patino and the AD, Tom Gurich fired um they gone and yeah just a just over, a huge over brian bowen over brian bowen the, a recruit amongst others amongst others but this this you know patino's second at least his second big recruiting scandal i think his third major recruiting scandal um he it's not great he's for, had for he's him. had a rough go but you um, know what you know you, you reap what you sow right Absolutely. I mean, this this guy, uh, you know, people maybe don't know about Rick Pitino yeah. is that he used to be a coach at the University of Hawaii. Really? He did, yes, back in the mid-70s. And in his time there, uh, this was prior to him going to Syracuse and then uh, Boston University where he got his first head coaching job. Fun fact, there were some allegations over there at Hawaii that he had to... Uh, get through before he was able to accept the role at Boston. He was able to convince their AD yeah. they had nothing to do with him. They must have been he must have been giving away free surfboards. And they oh, probably well. wouldn't do that in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well we don't have a problem with it's that not, here. There's no lanes there's, here. <laughs> there's no waves. Nothing to get on no, surfboards. <laughs> no coconuts. He was just handing out coconuts and, and, and surfboards. That's it. If there's anyone listening to this in Hawaii, I'm sorry for Dude. my terribly stereotypical joke. Yeah, but, we're just jealous we're not there. Um, but anyway, so specifically, like like you said, I think this has some really interesting ties to Michigan State. Uh, the most interesting and obvious is the fact that the the latest recruit that they've proven that he has um, – you know, broken NCAA rules with is Brian Bowen, who a lot of Michigan State fans and national pundits predicted was, uh, you know, an MSU lean for the better part of the last three seasons. Um, people were waiting on their, you know, on pins and needles for, for him to eventually pull the trigger. You know, the story is, is tired at this point, but he's Jason Richardson's cousin. He's originally from Saginaw. Our boy Bowen. Um, Brian Bowen, yes. And, you know... The story always was, you know, he kind of floundered around a little bit. People were not sure, you know, everybody expected for a long time at the end of the day he would end up in green and white, but dragged his recruitment out for a really long time. And then at the last second, Louisville comes out of of left field. Yeah. And he ends up committing to Louisville sometime, I believe, in June. Um, Turns out Rick Pitino paid him 100 k or someone on his staff. someone on his staff, yeah. and and what's I think really there are some near and far term implications to this. In the near term, it's possible that program some programs who were ready to compete to win this year, yeah, this year that are going to be some of Michigan State's biggest competition. Specifically, I'm thinking about Arizona, yeah. and Louisville, yeah, um, are not. I mean, there's a pretty good chance they're not going to the postseason, especially Louisville. It'd be a shock to me if Louisville is is postseason eligible this year. Yeah, you got to think they're going to hit themselves with their own sanctions or whatever they. They've try done and that do. before. I mean, 
<laughs> if I guess the road, I like to think that, you know, there's a lot of things to be still decided and maybe this is just the beginning, perhaps even as I think Brendan Quinn put it, a thunderclap yep. of things to come. Um, but I'd like to think that if we were in it all the way with Bowen and Bowen decided to go to another school that there that we were not not offering money right. or something had to have not taken place for him to not take the role. And some would ar- immediately argue, well, you just didn't pay enough. And, <laughs> and also that it was a Nike school versus an Adidas school. And in that uh, report, uh, the Adidas school, Louisville, um, outbid a Nike school. Well, I just want to be very clear, and I'm not making allegations. The other big player that was in the Bowens recruitment all the way up with Michigan State was – University of Oregon, and we all know, maybe the or the Nike school, the Nike school. So yeah. I'm not. I, I think there's just a lot to consider here, and um, I, I I would like to think that at the end of the day, we haven't landed enough guys to be paying well, that kind of money. I mean, I think if you look back, and you know, obviously, if we're going to connect this to to Michigan State, if you look back at at the guys that Michigan State, what is one of the biggest criticisms of Izzo been until really Miles Bridges? It's been that he hasn't been able to Land lure the in whale. the whale. The Jabari Parkers, the Tyus Jones, Tyus Jones, Jaleel Okafor, Cliff Alexander. Let's do it. Let's go through all the things no, that I made mean, me cry. I yeah. mean, <laughs> Jabari Parker is the one that will always hurt me the most. But, I mean, if you if you think about it and your reasoning is that okay? They're not. All I'm saying is this isn't an isolated incident. It's not. I don't think it's fair to say that Michigan State didn't pony up with enough money. If you look at Tom Izzo's track record, he's he's missed. He's missed on big recruits. And yes, they've been to great schools, but I don't. I think the if he had been having people drop money off on doorsteps, one or two of those kids would have come calling. I think I don't think anything fishy happened with Miles Bridges. I think he he's not he's just not that type of kid. Well, if he was a money guy, he would have left last year, right? See, there you <laughs> so, go. Case in point. So that's interesting. We'll keep our our finger to the pulse yeah. on this as it develops. Um, you know, as as we get closer and closer to November, we're going to have a lot of hoop talk too. This is this podcast might get a little crowded. Because ideally, we're still talking about fun football things. Yeah, hopefully. So um, we'll keep our, you know, like I said, we're going to keep keep our eyes out on on what's going on there. And and the hoops team, um, I think they believe they they started started practice already. Yeah. I think so. They're getting going. Got a nice squad this year, I hear. Yeah, <laughs> but rumor the, <laughs> has, rumor has it. But uh, but but this past weekend, we actually played a game. Yes, a football and, game. And football. A football game. We did. So. And uh, we won that game. Yeah, I know. That was, if you can, if you can believe it, um, it's kind of crazy. Um, big win for the program. You know, this one we talked about last week. This was a game that we felt like we needed. Yeah, it was a game that felt like it could be a potential, not a trap game per se, because I don't think you overlook a team like Iowa with the history that Michigan State and Iowa have. But it was potentially. After getting so handily defeated by Notre Dame, again, we went over the fact that I don't think the final score tells the story of that game, but after making the mistake, shooting yourself in the foot several critical times, mm-hmm. um, you and then knowing that Michigan was on the horizon, this was a game 
that was going to be pivotal one way or the other. If if you won, it's a nice you know what we're going to get into. It's a, it's a, it feels like a really solid win that a team matured a lot through. But if you lost, you might end up under you know under five hundred through five weeks, and then a lot of the same conversations start nationally. A lot of similar feelings probably crop up in the locker room and in the media. So, um, well, it was a big. It's a big. It was a big deal to avoid that in my. It was a step on the scale game, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we really at? Right. And you know, you can tell yourself. You know, you're doing all the right things. You're eating right and exercising. Right. What does the scale say? And I think, you know, we found out is uh, we showed up. It was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. Yeah, we should recap it real quick. Michigan State started beautifully. First drive. It was a Dave Warner special. Really, the <laughs> no. game in, in and of a nutshell is the Dave Warner special offensively. Um the first drive, the drive he had all week to plan, beautiful. Which can we talk about how he orchestrates some really great first drives? Huh? It's his patented formula. It's, it's pretty it's good through, through good and bad offensive years, which you have to credit him. There have been many more good than bad, that is for sure. But his first drive, it, it's beautiful. It's all it, it. More often than not, it is a really well put together, well thought out, well executed drive. Um, and then you know after that. It, it was it was a struggle mm. off, offensively. Credit to Iowa, their front seven is really good, really good. Yeah, um, they th- that's a good team. That's going to be a tough team for for. I think they're going to hang in the in the in the Big Ten this year. But uh, if their offense can can come to play, but Michigan State specifically, you know, they scored big on that first drive, uh, and then despite winning the field position battle in a pretty big landslide all game, which in and of itself was huge. Our boy, Hartberger. Hartberger's turning. Uh, he's a weapon. I've described him as a weapon. <laughs> he's, he's a weapon. He's a I guy. love it. But so they, they they won the field. They dominated the field position game. They won the, the uh, time of possession game. Um, despite starting several drives, though, in enemy territory, they only managed to score 17 points on the game. Um so offensively, again, credit credit to Iowa's front seven for slowing Michigan State down. But um, you would have liked to have seen them cap. Points. Well, just see them capitalize on some really good field position. Well, it felt like, and we're gonna we're kind of getting into the bad here. We, yeah. What was the bad? And and I think what we found was, man, we had a few chances to what it felt like to step on their throat, right? Oh yeah, several. And, and it just didn't happen, and for whatever reason, and those are the types of things that this offense needs to clean up, mm-hmm. not only this coming week, but any week if they want to start winning types of games. Because there are going to be times where the ball doesn't bounce the right way, and yep. you play that well like you did against Iowa, and you're still going to lose if you don't score a few more points. Yeah, and I, th- I think, so we're going to kind of break this down between the good and the bad. The bad was definitely the lack of execution um, offensive offensively. I thought... It was interesting because I didn't feel like in watching from the stands, I was lucky enough to go to this game. Um, I didn't feel like Lewerke played poorly and his numbers pretty much backed that up, but he missed some critical throws. I think if you talk about it as the bad, the bad is that this team is still inexperienced. I mean, they're four games in now. You've played some big, you've played yeah. Notre Dame, you've played Iowa. Those are big national pretty much programs. Um, you've played a game in prime time. You've had to bounce back from a tough game. Um, so they've had the chance to measure up now. And I, you know, you would have liked to have seen a little bit, a little, a little 
crisper, you know, execution from Lewerke, and but really from the running game more than anything else. That offensive line got very little push in the running game. Yeah, that was kind of a – it was rough, right? And, you know, uh, we talked a little bit earlier this week, and I came down on maybe a little too hard <laughs> because I was saying, man, you know, we weren't the offensive line just really didn't do much for me. And, and you corrected me, and you were right. The, oh. the running game. The running game. But, I thought the offensive line, in terms of pass protection – Protected Lewerke really well. And we can't forget that, right? Because you got to give the kid a shot. Yeah. And I think they did. And, I mean, he had two two passing touchdowns in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that won the game, right? Absolutely. So, so um, yeah, I think I was corrected. I think we can't get too hard on him. And Beetle was out. That was David Beetle was out. Yeah, and you were forced to start a true freshman in Kevin Jarvis, who I will admit looked like, especially in the passing game, really held his own. He did have one bad holding penalty, but I mean, this kid was playing in high school six months <laughs> ago, so it's not or a year ago, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. Um, I, all in all, I think you got to give him a passing grade. Uh, yeah, I mean, Iowa got to Lewerke a little bit. I think probably more in the scrambles than anything else. They did have, I think, five ta- six tackles for loss and two sacks, but. You know, again, this this is an experienced, really solid Iowa front seven. Uh, captained by the guy who I called, by the way, last week. Remember yeah. when I said Josie Jewell was the guy to look out for? Yeah. Just had a quick 16 tackles this week. I think it's his second straight week with with week with 16 tackles. This he's a he, a. I can't believe he's still in school. Yeah. And yeah. b three behind the line, half a sack. He doesn't just make tackles. He makes plays for them. He has the heart and soul of that defense, and he did a big part in, in, in keeping keep keeping in them it, in right? this one. So, um, again, I, I would have liked to have seen a little better execution. Um, if we're going to spin this forward a little bit here, that offensive line is going to have to create more push, like like you were saying. I mean, Well, they had 40 carries for 88 yards. That is just not going to cut it. And I'm even going to give him – how about this? I'll give him – I'll cut one out. Dave Warner's tight end around. Oh my six god. Six yard loss. Oh my god. So that needs to go away. I can't. <laughs> I, I think I just triggered Austin. If you have <laughs> if you have ever engaged with me in speaking about Michigan State sports or just followed my general game day rants, you'll understand that in the stands when I watched that happen in person. I kind of felt like he was looking down at me and just giving me the finger. Like, just giving me the finger from the box. You, like, this is this is to see if you can literally survive watching this in person. Because <laughs> so, I thought I was going to have an aneurysm. Yeah. It's, it, it, you're at the goal line. If, if you missed this, this was second down, I think it was. Second and two from the two, something like that. Um, and you've got three running backs. Three running backs. Arguably the deepest position group in terms of quality on your entire roster. Definitely the most veteran with you know two juniors and a senior. Yep. And you decide, no, I'm not going to give the ball to <laughs> any of them. <laughs> not like one. Not, I, I get it if you don't want to give LJ Scott the ball because of his fumble-itis yeah. at this point. I get that. Um, I get it if you don't want to give it to Madre London because he's not as much a goal line back. But, I mean, it, you can't. You can maybe explain the two of them away, but Gerald Holmes is is a bulldozer. Like I, again, he doesn't have the greatest vision in the world, but this dude's on the two yard line. Like, go do your job, run the ball in. But no. But why would I do that if I could? Give why it to a when I can give it to Matt. my tight end? <laughs> Matt, so I don't understand it. I, I I like the wrinkles. I really and I, especially with with this offense that needs to learn its place and needs to catch people napping. Frankly, 
um, in order to execute because they're just not going to be able to do it as often. They can't just overpower teams. I like the creativity from time to time. I can tolerate it more. But that is just wrong place, wrong time, wrong personnel. Like, just screwed that up. And he got bailed out. Felton, go get it. They got bailed out by, if we're switching to talk about the good things, yeah. Felton Davis had a day. Well, you know, what are they... A say? day. Well, when he, he did that, when you just toss it up, and I also do not care for the fade route. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, we can even spit and talk about that. His his comeback from the from tight that? end around is a fade route from the two-yard line. Like, just, oh my gosh, just so, almost gave me a heart I want to be attack. clear, if this is your first time listening to The Only Podcast, <laughs> just, I believe, last week, we were singing Dave Warner's praises. Yeah. How quickly things can turn. My, oh my. Uh, but uh, our boy Felton went up, and he took care of things, I think on the first drive as well. Not only, So first, that catch in the end zone, he mossed the Mossed him. Randy Moss said so himself yeah, on Monday Night Countdown. as he should. And you know, he real recognized real. And then the <laughs> first the first drive though, Lewerke threw to him I believe four times on the drive. Yeah. He had four balls and he caught all of them and scored on uh, a long touchdown on, mm-hmm. to over the, the middle. Yes, yeah, and beautiful. it's like oh okay sure oh, wow I, right. I like that yeah let's do more <laughs> of that. So love that um, Felton balled out and candidly this is a really cool thing because I don't feel like. He has to do that every game because no. I feel like we have other guys that have, yeah. can do things too. That was one of the exciting things about this game was to see these young kids make some plays, like these the freshmen. It was it was great to see them all get involved. You had Larice Nelson, Cody White, uh, Daryl Stewart, all having catches, um, and uh, Hunter Risen had a nice nine yard run on an end around as well. Chambers played Chambers. Too, I think. Oh, did I not say Chambers? Yeah. No, I oh, out. yeah. Luis, Cody, uh, Chambers all had really nice catches, um, and then, like I said, Hunter Rising had a nice little nine-yard jet sweep. Uh, Luis Nelson's, by the way, was really impressive. Going so, over the middle, reached back with the one hand. So let's talk about him. I mean, this guy was a late ad. Very late. Yeah. Two-star kid. Yep. Kind of out of nowhere. See, I mean, and all of a sudden he's seeing the field. I mean, he's doing Game something one. right, huh? He was returning kicks early. I was kind of surprised they pulled him off for Andrew Welch, who I believe is another freshman. Um, D'Antonio is not afraid to play the young kids in case you haven't. Put it, give heard him a shot. That. Let him screw up. You know. But it was cool. What was cool to see on offense was that they were doing basically line changes with the wideouts. Yeah. Which is a really deep. It's funny if you go back and you look at you know the 2012 and 2013 receiver cores, you're like, oh my gosh, they had yeah Aaron Burbridge, Tony Lippett. Six. Benny Fowler, Keith Mumphrey, you had Deion Sims on the 2012 team at tight end. I mean, those were loaded. Those, that's just chock full of future yeah. playmakers. NFL playmakers. And NFL playmakers. I think, now I can't speak for the NFL with this group, but I think when you look back, you're going to see all these names and be like, wow. They're on one these team. These guys were all on one team. Yeah, they might, and they're not going to play like it this year necessarily. Sure. But down the line, you're. I think you're looking at, you know, Felton Davis is already a playmaker. I think what you've seen out of Tristan Jackson, Cody White, uh, I was really impressed with that Larice Nelson catch. Again, Daryl Stewart's clearly a playmaker. You're going to look back and, and really be impressed by the amount of talent, especially in the wide receiving core from this team. Well, it's just kind of on Brian, right? And in, in not yeah. in a negative way. It's just, hey, man, if you can survive those seconds where you have to uh, start start the snap and get the ball to a playmaker, good things are going to happen. Absolutely. 
He's so, getting a little more confident back there in the pocket. And, and that's and that's all we want. And so, you know, a few other great things. Let's talk about Joe Bocce Ball. Dude. It, Playmaker. He he is the real deal. He I mean, was it was really funny. I was sitting in the stands with I just went to the game with my mom and was sitting there with her. That's how you bond, by the way. Yeah. Bring your mother to a football game. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Um, we're sitting in the stands, and at the very beginning of the game, defense comes on the field, and I'm like, 35 is Joe Bocci. He's a linebacker. You're just, I'm like, you're going to hear his name a lot yeah. today. Um, and then as soon as that happened, he was, I mean, how many tackles did he have in this game? I mean, the dude He was had on, nine tackles. Off his season pace. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, Actually had a bad game. Off game. I, I was going to correct you. Yeah. He has some work to do in, yeah. my, in my book. But yeah, he, he... And then, but the probably the biggest play of the game on defense, yeah. um, we're fortunate. We had a bounce go our way, or rather a slip Big of the hand, time. where, uh, you know, a rare mistake from Nathan Stanley, who, mm-hmm. who rarely is throwing interceptions or is turnover prone, mm-hmm. kind of just loses the ball. And Bocce just goes from heat-seeking missile to all of a sudden the softest hands in the world, <laughs> like in one swoop. And I was like, this guy is something else. So That, that was huge. I mean, to go along with, with that play, he had the three-and-a-half tackles for loss, nine tackles on the day. He was just all over the field. I mean, he seems to already have a border. He had a sack. He had a sack, borderline mastery of, of this defense. And I'll be honest, that's not – you know, when you're looking around this roster at the beginning of the year, you're like, okay, where can we find improvements? Mm-hmm. You know, Riley Bullitt had his flaws, but I didn't. I don't think anybody could have expected Joe Bocci to be not only as good, but a, a, an upgrade to this point, a significant upgrade over Riley on the field. And I love. I was yeah. a big Riley Bullitt fan. But, he was, all he did was make. He made a lot of plays, but well, let's just Bocci's say, been incredible. Let's just say Joe Bocci as a sophomore. Has grown. Oh, yeah. He he has taken a giant leap, and we can only hope that you know, even if he maintained this level, that sure. would be amazing, right? He, his his pace. He's definitely as a sophomore ahead of oh, boy, mo- most. I'm not gonna say anything yet, okay. but at this point, as a sophomore, he's definitely ahead of Riley. Um, he was I, thinking I, of saying a different. There are ball. two other linebackers was, I was thinking of saying, but I'm not gonna. Nate Bott went there. If you guys read his article, he went there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there just yet. But he has really, really impressed me. And that that run defense is no joke. Well, no joke. Not only uh, did we win the game, we got a few other recruiting wins. Over yes. The weekend. So uh, over the weekend, we landed a really uh, nice, sought-after running back from mm-hmm. uh, Michigan, Detroit area. Um, we also got uh, Elijah Collins, and then we got Jacob Isaiah. Yep. And then... The godson of Baba Pisa, or the grandson of Baba Pisa, who was elected, who was put in the Spartan Ring of Honor this past weekend. Well, that helped his commitment, i got to <laughs> think. And, and I, what I, one of maybe my favorite, uh, just, just purely based off size, we, we managed to wrangle a four-star young gentleman, James, I hope I'm saying this right, Ohanba, and my man has not missed many meals, and I love it. He is 6'4", 345 pounds, Whew. and I don't know how an 18-year-old can be that big. He's truly <laughs> out, like he is outgrowing 
trees of that size. <laughs> if you were to plant a seed 18 years ago, he's larger than that. He's thing. bigger than a tree. That is amazing. He's a, a large man. And I, I love what this does for the Michigan State class. You know, these are now two of a handful of offensive line recruits. There are several defensive line recruits that are in this in this um, group. And it's it's an exciting group. It's really cool to see, and I, we're going to talk about these three guys in particular in just a second, but what's cool to see from a recruiting perspective is that um, Michigan State has not really fallen off. I don't know if this is going to end. This isn't going to be Mark D'Antonio's best class, um, but they're still getting quality recruits and they're getting recruits at positions where they need them despite last year's you know downturn a lot of people thought that That was the beginning of the end well a lot of people thought that that would be what really ended up sinking michigan state Mm -hmm. is that okay recruits would look and say okay the party's over yeah it's been a flash in the pan it's been fun and and what michigan state had been able to do for so long in especially recently in landing some of these these bigger recruits was going to kind of go out go out the window, but, you know, landing a four-star lineman from the state of Georgia in Ohanba is a big deal. That kid's he, offer list was serious. Well, let's talk about that. Like, this dude was offered not just by, uh, you know, the Sun Belt, okay? This is a four-star. <laughs> fun, fun Belt. So, my mistake. I'll Thank never you. make it again. I appreciate he it. He was offered by the likes of, and I think you tweeted it out. Yeah. Uh, all of the big boys, in, including, but not limited to, uh, Bama. Yeah, I believe he had an Alabama offer. I'm going to pull it up here real quick. I think that's all that matters, right? And well, I mean, if you get a Bama offer, it's like getting offered, you know, you more kind, or less a major league contract. You kind of just take it. Yeah. But the dude uh, said to himself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not. All right, here we go. You got Bama. You got Arkansas. Clemson. Georgia. Louisville. Michigan, Mississippi State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Virginia Tech. USC. It's, Stan- I mean, yeah. it's all there. It's not a joke. I mean, this is, this kid had offers from everywhere, and I think especially when you consider the fact that he had a Georgia offer. He's from Georgia. Georgia's number seven in the country. Where's number yeah. seven in the country going into last week? Yep. They look like the real deal, an SEC national title type competitor. Yep. And he chose to come to East Lansing. I mean, listen, that's a that's a big deal. And Michigan State's done fairly well in Georgia, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, but Quasi. yeah, young quiz. Trey Person, my guy, um, who's played this week, by the way, got torched on his first play, but played, which I love to see. Gotta um, see the field. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I like about Ahamba and Jacob As- Isaiah, Isaiah, we're not sure. Um, I love that D'Antonio is clearly selling playing time by playing Jordan Reed and Kevin Jarvis. Yeah. He's showing that he's willing to play these kids right away. And when they get on campus, they're going to be expected to be ready to contribute, which is cool. And MSU is also getting back to the old style of a bunch of big road graders up front. Between Jarvis, who's a big boy. He did not look outmatched last week. Physically. Luke Campbell's a big boy. Uh, Ahanba, I bet, will play it. Well, maybe not as a true freshman, but he's going to be in there before let's, too long. Let's just Tyler say Higby. You got some big to, fellas. So... What are we? So I mean, the future seems to not the 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 sky's not falling. Uh, looks like we have we're on schedule. Very we, much so. And you know we learned a lot not only about the team but uh, our our status in the recruiting world mm-hmm. this past weekend. Um, 
Any big takeaways for you? I thought the biggest takeaway was that the team responded really well. Um, again, you would have loved to have seen a little sharper offensive execution, no doubt about that. But they kept their cool, they, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They could have folded after losing to Notre Dame. They could have shown we're not ready to, you know, we're not ready to be anything more than a team that beats bad teams. Yep. And that's just not the case. I mean, they, they taking care of the ball in this game is a huge deal. I mean, they, they won this game by playing like veterans in a lot of ways. They, like I said, they won the field position game. They weren't foolish with the ball. They didn't turn it over. Mm-hmm. They capitalized on turnovers on the defensive side of the ball with, you know, some of their younger guys making really big plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so did solid clock management. I mean, all in all, you, you know, you made plays when you had to make them. You said we're going to win the field position game. We're going to control the clock, and we're going to we're going to trust our defense to beat you. And they answered the call. That's a that's a huge deal for a team that's this young, and especially coming off of completely melting under the spotlight against Notre Dame. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it says a lot when when things aren't going your way to win a game like that. Absolutely. You know, there are going to be times where you not everything's going right. Last year we won zero of those games mm-hmm. when things weren't going right. Well, I mean this this okay. is this is the first win over a Big Ten team with a pulse since they beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship game in 2015. Thank you, Iowa. Thank we you. We needed you. Thank you very, very much. You remind us that we're back. We've got yeah. some good times. So you know, uh, you know, before we jump into looking around the Big Ten, a friend once told me. Your program is only as good as your last game against Iowa. And he said that was that would have been a decade ago. <laughs> and you know what, though? They are kind of a barometer. They're never bad. No. They're never truly bad. They're never truly good. So however you play against Iowa can kind of indicate for you where you are as a program, how you are as a team. Well, they're also always going to play the same style of ball. Yeah, you know what you are. You know what they are. So... Our program is only as good as our last game against Iowa. Well, the time before, we were that good enough to be in the college football playoff, apparently. Yep. And now we're good enough to feel confident um, moving forward in the season. Yeah. So, all in all. Don't hate that. Getting to 3-1 and one, now with as many wins as a season ago in both the reg, just overall and in the Big Ten. And we're rolling. Yes. I love it. Uh, some other things happen around the Big Ten. Yeah. We'll, we'll kind of cruise through those. Um Let's do our love-hate situation. Yes, we're going to talk both Big Ten and national kind of love-hate. Just to give everybody a little sense of what what happened around the country. John, uh, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Uh, So last week, I I got a little chippy. (laughs) I got got chippy at my boy DJ Durkin. Mm -hmm. My bad. Didn't know he was (laughs) down to his third-string QB uh, in the L to UCF. Give you gotta only give my boy Dirk like six days with the young buck. Right, he'll make that a dub, <laughs> and he did. He turned it around. He uh-huh. went at he he went into the rowing boat territory, and, yes. and he he won with a third string QB. That's impressive. I mean, I, wow. How do you feel? I mean, 
I don't want to get too far ahead, but all of a sudden that date to, in Minneapolis doesn't feel as treacherous. Uh, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I don't well, know. I don't love that it's at night. That's the part, again. Well, well, but then again, you're about to play your third more or less primetime game. You've mm-hmm. had a 2 8 p.m.s and a 4 p.m., mm-hmm. so I kind of feel like a night game is going to hopefully be a little bit of old hat for this team, even, well, even though night, they are so young. But In a night game in Minneapolis, they're kind of just like, do yeah. your best. Yeah, like, you know they're best. really nice. So try you know, hard. <laughs> everyone yeah. having fun out there. As long as there's a coach eating a dilly bar yeah, in a snowstorm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't mind seeing Minnesota look vulnerable at home. That's certainly okay it's with me. Surprise, but then, definitely a surprise. It's a I'm, Maryland is not a bad team. It's it's <laughs> not. It's really not. It scares me. I think they're going to be a good team sooner rather than later. DJ Dirk. Yeah, good work, Darkin. All right. What else? You What did you love? Um. I don't love it, but uh, but you have to show love to Penn State. I mean, yeah. goodness gracious, man! Uh, that's that's a good team. I don't think Indiana is all that good, but but Penn State went in and won, or they host them at home. Either way, they beat them forty-five to fourteen, and were able to show, you know, most importantly that they're more than Saquon Barkley, who went for two hundred plus yards on the ground against Iowa the yeah. week before. Um, he was held. To only a kickoff return for a touchdown sure. and approximately like 150 yards total offense. Cool. But your boy McSorley. Yeah. Balled out. He had over 300 yards throwing. I like McSorley. McSorley throws a nice deep ball. It's funny because when I remember looking at him as a recruit and thinking, okay, this guy's not that short. He's supposedly not all that accurate. Or he's not, not that tall, not that accurate. I'm waiting for... And, and really, the Penn State quarterbacks of late, not exactly an impressive group before him. Ah, uh, time um, out, sir. I heard Christian Hackenberg was the next coming. <laughs> yeah, me too. But, well, um, to be fair, he also may have lost a life in that pocket from that offensive line. It's true. Yeah, he was a little <laughs> gun-shy for good reason after that freshman year. Um, kind of quit football. Not this great. Yeah, he's making money in New York, so he's doing just fine. But Penn State, I think they are the real deal. I'm not looking forward to playing them. That's uh, later. Um, but they, you know, those games when they play Ohio State and Michigan are going to be really fun to watch this year. That's, that's, that's heavyweight stuff. Well, they're fun when they're beating the crap out of Indiana. Yeah, they're going to be a fun team to watch. I, I'm excited to – I think they have every bit a chance as – I think they might be the favorites to win the conference right now. Probably sure. are, if you ask me. And I think they have every bit a chance to make the college football playoff this year, especially with some of my other teams. <laughs> I say my other teams. It's, a, it's one, of, one of my favorite teams it's getting beat. It's important to like many teams mm-hmm. because it helps you get through – Yes, it does. Now, you gotta have like kind of have like one in every conference or sure. Something. Have okay, a, have a squad. So my ACC team hit me with your squad in the ACC. Uh, my national love is Clemson. I didn't even get to watch much of this game at all, but they handily disposed of Virginia Tech in Blacks Blacksburg on Saturday night, 31-14. It was handy, and, uh, and you know what. 31-17, excuse me. Virginia Tech is kind of the an upgrade of Iowa. Not in the style. <laughs> Definitely you know, not in the style. But in the, you know where you are as a program mm-hmm. if you play them, right? Well, I think if you can go in and win That's there what I at mean. night on the road. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know where you're at. Absolutely. And they were undefeated, number 12 team in the country coming into this game. Um, but Clemson controlled it. They were up 24 to 3 heading into the final stanza. You know, Virginia Tech made it pretty comfortable, uh, you know, scoring two touchdowns uh, in the last quarter. But 
Clemson, you know, everybody worried about the national championship hangover. Losing Deshaun Watson is no joke. Um, but man, they, they, this is a juggernaut. I think uh, it's weird because it almost feels like Clemson gets overlooked despite being to the last two national championship games man. and probably being one of the favorites for this. I mean, got it. I mean, I would say them or Bama is definitely because Bama is always the favorite. But um, even with a new quarterback, this their defensive line. That's really what people miss about Clemson is that this defensive line of theirs is every bit as good as anybody else's in the whole. I bet you they they're they're gonna have several very very high picks in the NFL draft next year because I like following that. Believe that. Yeah. So what about you? Oh, I missed a good one. Oh my gosh, man! So squad fun belt. <laughs> the fun belt. Troy Trojans. They roll in to Death Valley. Mm. Okay. Homecoming. Oof. In Death Valley. Before the game, the AD of Troy was handed a check for $985,000. Yeah. <laughs> for the participation. And your boys from Troy yeah. win 24 to 21 at LSU. Oof. Oh, boy. I love it. Yeah, that's a tough one for LSU, man. Uh, Coach O's tenure is looking shorter and shorter. By, oh man! With each game, that and Three he's and been there now. for how many games? Four. Yeah. <laughs> but look at this. I mean, if you just look at the box score, Troy, it's crazy because they ran for their running back Jordan Chun. Yeah. Ran for 191 yards. You would think that if there's one thing LSU is going to be able to do. It's completely shut down a, a Sunbelt team's offense. Yeah. Um, well, but they were only able to score 21 points, 14 in the fourth quarter. And you know what? This serves LSU right. Yes. This serves LSU right yes. because they can't – and it, it shocks me. They're one of those teams that they can never find a quarterback. <laughs> it's not as if they don't have them at their disposal or the, the, the ability to find one. They're starting a Purdue transfer. <laughs> Well, that tells you everything. That's right? all you need to know. The fact that how was he able to tra- be bad and then transfer and upgrade schools to the the SEC? Well, don't I worry. Don't Is it. it maybe produced better? Oh, well, this year. Well, let's not, let's <laughs> so not crazy. So Troy is a little known fact, and, and and going back to last year, Troy uh, played at Clemson and lost thirty to twenty four. Well, Troy is one of like is like transfer you. They get transfers from the SEC teams, especially Bama, all the time. So it's not like they're loaded with a bunch of scrubs. It's not Appalachian State. Oh, it, you're uh, yeah. Here it's, we go. Uh, <laughs> they've got some real athletes on that team. They got some, there's a lot of pros that that have gone to Troy. So uh, again, that doesn't make this loss any better for LSU. But boy, that's a tough one to swallow. Oh, so what'd you hate? Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, in the Ruck oh my gosh, in the Big Ten, I just hate Rutgers. Like, I kind of feel bad for them, but like now at this point in their like in their last four games now against Ohio State, the latest of which they lost fifty six to nothing. Sure, they have been outscored two hundred and nineteen to twenty four by OSU by Ohio State in their last four games. So that means that the the best team in the Big Ten and the worst team in the Big Ten. That's the gap. Are yeah, roughly two hundred points apart. 
gaps probably shouldn't be although we'd have that's to look we, we'd have yeah that's a big one we'd have to look at some of the others because i'm sure there are some pretty bad ones but uh that can't happen huh? yeah yeah i mean they've so in the and in the last three games listen to these scores the 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 most respectable game Rutgers has put up against Ohio State was four years ago, and or the uh, the flat four times ago when they played and they lost fifty six to seventeen. That was the best. That's the best. <laughs> and then the one after that is forty nine to seven, and then the last two have been fifty eight and fifty six to nothing. That's a hundred and fourteen to nothing in two straight games. I'm there should be relegation. I'm hearing improvement from last. Game if they oh, well, 58 nothing to 56 to nothing. Good point. That's a two-point two swing. Well, you know, they were about to put points on the board. They were. Oh, my gosh. And then the most Rutgers thing in the world happened. They're about to just kick a just a get-on-the-board field goal um, with the clock running like out. no time. And they doinked it. Doinked it. Doinked it off the side. It's just like, man, you're just so Rutgers it hurts. Pack I up. wonder what's going to happen. I mean, like, what's – is – can it turn around? You know, I don't know. We you, people. Yeah, I, the answer is yes, because I remember thinking Eastern Michigan shouldn't even have a football team because oh. they weren't able to put anything. And then last year they were able to figure out at least a bowl eligible team. Yeah, so, but mean, like, like, is that the Rutgers peak now? It's just yes. like getting just yes. praying to God and get back. Yes, man. That's you gotta stay. <laughs> yeah, it's a long <laughs> climb. Um, what about I, you? I hated the way the Northwestern uh, game ended, which was similar to the way the Minnesota game ended. They, both of them were down by a touchdown. Uh, Northwestern was losing to Wisconsin after cutting it to seven, and uh, Minnesota was down seven at home to Maryland. They both had the ball down seven with about a minute and change to go, and they both just dumped their pants, yeah, puked just, all over themselves. Yeah. One... <laughs> Uh, Northwestern, yeah, Northwestern got safetyed somehow on a, a QB roll. The most obvious safety ever. Like you saw the safety because it was a safety yeah. that actually hit him in the end zone. Yeah, it was just sprinting from at him from 15 away. yards away. He was like, "Oh, this is going to end badly." And then nope. Minnesota just kind of fell all over themselves through their attempted two-minute drill, and it was like, guys, yeah, that's you why you're. That's why you are where win. you are. Like, <laughs> You gotta get at least show me something. That I hated that. So we our national hate is pretty much the same. Yeah. So let's just lump it into one. But I I think it's just the SEC. So bad. Like the gap we were just talking about the Ohio State Rutgers gap. It's even this, bigger. The, the gap in the SEC is actually bigger. So the two games we wanted to call out specifically are that uh, Bama beat Ole Miss sixty-six to three, and is story. now outscoring their SEC opponents one hundred and twenty-three to three on the year. Yeah, that's not good. Oof. And Georgia, yes, went on the road. My to, Bulldogs to Knoxville and clean slates. It's on volunteers. Uh, yeah, 40, 41, 41 nothing. nothing with a true freshman quarterback playing and throwing for under 100 yards. Mm-mm. Like Tennessee, I don't – Tennessee is the ultimate are-they-back program because <laughs> because it's been 20 years since they've been even – Well, you know who was actually at the game? Actually relevant. The sheriff was at the oh, game. Oh, man. I believe he had some sort of thing retired. Something and or other. So – 
Is Butch Jones' seat getting warm? Oh, I think it is an inferno right now. He's taking steps back, despite <laughs> landing huge recruiting classes, having good players. Like it's another team they can't find a quarterback. I mean, Josh Dobbs was good. Yeah, he was supposed to be the greatest thing that no, ever happened. He wasn't. He, here's he, a fun. He, they would kill for Eric Ainge right now. Ooh, name drop. Here's one quick little Just tidbit. Saying. Tennessee's athletic director has. Uh, supposedly very strong athletic director. He's never hired a football coach. Before his tenure, he was at Kansas State. So Snide Dog was there the entire time. So um, I don't believe he's actually hired a football coach. Boy. Yeah. (laughs) That is a tall order. Will Bill Snyder come to Knoxville? That's what I was implying. Yeah. Quick Baylor watch. Yeah. For all of you who have not uh, tuned in before, I uh, keep track of my uh, weekly hate for Baylor. They are 0-5. Last week, they lost to your Snide Dogs. That's right. Wildcats, 33-20. Like, bam, Grandpa <laughs> Snyder took care of them for us. Yeah. Next up is a bye. Not sure they'll win that one. Yeah. And then they go at Oklahoma State, which could get real ugly. Doubt it. Doubt so that's they are well. rolling. Yeah, so. Defeated watch is yeah, Keeps going yeah, for another week. Yeah, Baylor now 0-5. Uh, pretty sure the postseason's out of the question now. Love and it. pretty sure, yeah, I mean, it's good. Good, I like that. Yeah, okay. All right. We need to get into Michigan. Let's hit it. So, the game. Yeah. Uh, we're there in Ann Arbor. It's happening. It's going down. The line started <sighs> at, opened at a lot of places at around 13.5 as Michigan being favored. Today, uh, Wednesday, dropped down to ten. That's yeah. a huge jump, uh, specifically when you're playing when dealing with programs um, that have large fan bases like Michigan, Texas, uh, Notre Dame, etc. I got to think a lot of it had to do with people feeling a little uneasy about their quarterback situation. Yeah, I mean that's a great a great way to to, to segue to segue in here. Um, Wilton Spate. My my Michigan quarterback, who I'll apologize for, because I actually sort of <laughs> I feel like enjoy. you're related or something. No, I'm just kind of like I don't know why he's he's the perfect care. He's a great like little caretaker quarterback. I really don't know why he's not good. Mm-mm. He's not, but he's one of those guys that I'm. I don't know why I watch him and I'm like he's not that bad. And then he makes a horrible mistake. I'm like, oh, I guess he is he's pretty. He's not bad. your responsibility. He's not. Stop. No, I, you're right. But anyways, no, this week won't be on him because he's not playing. Uh, John O'Corn, yes, still in school. Somehow. If you can believe it. Still a quarter, still eligible, so allegedly. Um, will be starting uh, in place of Spate, who got hurt against Purdue on a pretty big hit. Um, and apparently he's going to be out for several weeks. So this might be the beginning of a little mini O'Corn era here. He played okay against Purdue. I mm-hmm. uh, actually put up pretty decent efficiency numbers, but did throw a pick. Um, I think the biggest difference between the two of them is that he is definitely more mobile. I don't know that he is any less turnover prone per se, mm-hmm. which is Spate's biggest issue. Um, but he is more mobile. So, you know, that's a challenge for MSU. You saw they struggled a little bit against um, Brandon Wimbush from Notre Dame. I don't think O'Corn's anywhere close to the athlete that Wimbush is, but he 
he is like a light version of Lewerke in a way where he, if he gets out of the pocket, you know, he's, he's not going to get you, he's not going to be that lumbering two yards and slide guy. He, he can actually make a little, make a little noise with his feet. So, okay. Well, I think I'm going to correct Austin and everyone <laughs> because what everyone likes to do is say, well, he's a little, he, he might be a little more mobile than Wilton Spike. Okay. Well, that is a tree trunk. Okay. He's not going anywhere. So yeah. am I. This dude has had very little game experience since 2014 yeah. when he was benched. Mm-hmm. And then his la- his running statistics, he averaged uh, last year in his eight uh, games that he got on the field with Michigan, 2.6 uh, yards per carry. In 2014, in the six games that he started for the Houston Cougars, he averaged 0.6 yards per carry. And granted, there are many sacks that had to go through with it. But he had 32 attempts, so it's not like he took off that much. Mm-hmm. And then in 2013, his best year, he had 140, 104 total rushing yards. Again, sacks were involved, but this is by no means some type of Wimbush type of threat. No, he's not even a Lewerke, really. I, I, I'm, all I'm saying is it's... And now he's going to run for 1,000 yards. Right. <laughs> if you're listening to the, most of the national media, yeah. Um, <laughs> But it is no, a, it, no, because I said that. That's when you, when you, <laughs> oh right, of course, yeah. Well, when when you compare him to Spate, like you and I are mobile compared to Wilton Spate, but yeah, it, it, it's just something that MSU is going to have to keep an eye out for. Um, they don't bail out a lot. The linebackers don't turn their back to the field of play a ton. So um, it, it'll be I, interesting. You know, a lot of people have said, you know, what does that mean? You know, is, that, is he better? Is he worse than Spade? What, you know, and, well, there's not a real beat on it because as you alluded to, he's really gotten a lot of real, real games on the line game time mm-hmm. since that, well, Purdue game, right, was part of it. But before that, you're going back to 2014 and even 2013 when he was playing for the Houston Cougars. And I mean, it's this a long time. This is a dude that in 2013, he won uh, Rookie of the Year for the conference as a freshman because their uh, senior quarterback got hurt. He finished 12th in QBR, if you believe in that statistic, in the conference at 46.2. In 2014, uh, he played, started five games before eventually giving up, losing his spot to Andre Ware Jr., who's now a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and he had a 22.2 QBR rating, which was Not very good. real bad. For Just for context, Lewerke currently sitting at 76-ish, which is good for second in the Big Ten. So, granted, do a lot of things happen? Has he had a ton of time to do nothing but play practice playing quarterback? Yeah, but real game situations against a, the fifth best total defense in the country? It's going to be quite the challenge for the young man. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about Lewerke, you know, having to deal with the atmosphere and having to be the new guy. I mean, he's, he's played more games in the last two years than John O'Corn has started more games, that's for sure. The lights can be bright for both of them. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I don't think that's... So I guess that's a pretty good kind of transi- transition into the key offensive players for Michigan. I think more than anything... O'Korn's the he's a huge part of this game because if he comes out and starts hitting deep balls, which I just don't expect, um, well, then that puts the whole game on on its ear. But what you should I think what's fair to expect from Michigan is a lot of running the ball. Well, you know what Harbaugh does, and, and this is um, I'm being totally serious. This is trying to be nice, and this is hard. He <laughs> he has an innate ability or 
or if he's calling the plays or whomever when he's scripting these, to create opportunities and situations for his quarterbacks who are not great to succeed. And Rudock was above average. He's not actually with the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, but putting him in situations where he doesn't have to think too much, you're seeing a lot of rollouts, tight end. Um, not a tight end, staying in the st- block. Yeah, a lot, a lot. And then even after that, you're having a lot of drag routes. Mm-hmm. So you're not putting in a situation where you have to read too much. Make sure you know it's a man-to-man and let them drag and just let your athletes be athletes. And, let, and they're not all for first downs. Mm-hmm. It's a four-yard game. It's an out route. It's an easy decision, and you let him grow and progress. And Harbaugh's done a really nice job of letting his quarterbacks not beat them. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's kind of his goal, right? Well, yeah, his his – I mean, Spate to this point, too, I just, you're talking about the, the drag routes, so we'll talk a little bit about the receivers. Um, they lost their second leading receiver to injury in Tarek Black. Uh, he only had 11 catches for 149 yards through, um, you know, I believe around – I think he played against Purdue, and that's when he got hurt. But um, they don't really have one game-breaker in terms of, like, a go-to guy. Grant Perry, uh, the Birmingham Brother Rice product, has 13 catches for 163 yards and a touchdown. Um, This isn't that dissimilar from the past. You know, Michigan, you know, with Darbo and uh, who was – they had another good receiver last year, too. Well, it wasn't name? Peppers. No, it wasn't Jabril Peppers. <laughs> um, but they, they spread the ball around a lot. Jake Butt caught a ton of passes. Absolutely. Um, you've got Sean McKeon and Zach Gentry doing a lot of damage from – or a decent amount of damage from the tight end spot. But listen, just listen to this. This is If you want to know what to expect, listen to the attempts here. So far, Michigan receivers – or Michigan quarterbacks have thrown the ball 109 times. They have – Michigan has run the ball 172. It's pretty clear what they're trying to yeah, do here, right? So, so Michigan is the you know they've thrown the ball 109 times, 64 completions. That's less than 60 percent of you know less than 60 percent of the balls are being completed. Um, so really, if you talk about plays that are gaining yardage, there's 64 passing plays gaining yardage and 172 rushing plays gaining yardage we know what they're doing you know what they're going to do they're going to come out and they're going to try to beat you up they're going to run it right down your throat they're going to have two three tight ends in there that are big fellas they got a big full back in Khalid Hill um and they've got three pretty good running backs well and it's all we talked a little bit about a little bit about this too uh Harbaugh is the kind of personality where he he is so egotistical and so (laughs) stubborn that he will do anything in his power to beat you in a way mm-hmm. that he can say, we were better, stronger, we didn't out-trick you, we didn't out, and we were just better. Yep. And and you know what he's going to do. He's going to just try and bludgeon you. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a gift because we know what he's going to do. He's not unpredictable. Similar to Iowa in that fashion. He's not unpredictable. And we can use that to our advantage, and our coaches have in the past. You know? Well, look back at the game in 2015, and uh, Michigan fans love to call it a fluke win. They love calling that a fluke win because of the last play. But if you watched that game, a game, by the way, that Jack Allen missed, that Jack Conklin is playing probably at 60% in, um, uh, Michigan State controlled a lot of that game. Well, the time of possession was really absurdly towards Michigan State. It, it maybe the final. It was a kind of a funny game in that the final score maybe 
didn't reflect if you had just looked at the box score. Oh, dominated by Michigan State. Right, without seeing the final score. Regardless, um, you know, the good guys won. But they kept Rudock under wraps in that game. He yeah. did not play well. Mm-hmm. Michigan really didn't play well in that game. They did what they needed to do against an, an injury-riddled and weak. Actually, that defense was honestly flawed. That, yeah, that 2015 playoff defense. You saw what happened against Bama. But, um, Bama it, did that to a lot of teams. They did that to everyone. <laughs> um, but th- th- the point is, again, these coaches, know, they know what Michigan's going to try to do. It's not going to be rocket science. In a way, it's really similar to what they saw last this week, just week. with a lot more bodies on the field. Well, a lot more bodies that are doing, who are intent on doing one thing. And yes. That's, just push forward. Right? Yeah, and I, I think the good news for Michigan State's defense is that they're number five nationally. And if you look at what they if, – if they want to try to do what Iowa did, they're going to have to improve on the results. Iowa ran the ball last week 25 times mm-hmm. for a total of 19 yards. Their long run of the day was nine yards. For a touchdown. For a touchdown. Yep. That is a – that's and that's a good running back and that's a good offensive line. Absolutely. And Michigan State absolutely shut them down. And it's not for a lack of effort. They ran the ball 25 times. They realized they couldn't do it. They had to go to the air 30 Stanley threw the ball 31 times. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think Michigan State's defense is is it, Michigan's identity plays into this team's defensive strengths. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we want to talk about our defense really strong, and they're they're not going to get talked about very much this week in as in comparison to Michigan's because they are elite as well. Absolutely. Okay. You know, they they are um, currently number one total defense in the country, giving up approximately three point five yards per play. For context, Iowa, who has looked fairly stout against us mm-hmm. with our only seventeen points is currently 65th, giving up 5.3 yards per play. So that's the contrast you're going to see between last Saturday and this Saturday. Yeah, is a defense scary. that's giving up um, you know, 1.8 yards less per play. Mm-hmm. Okay? so um, Now, let's preface that real quick in that Michigan's toughest game so far has been against Florida, who was starting a redshirt freshman quarterback in game one, and Iowa played Penn State. Yeah, I mean Penn State and went a little. State. Penn State went a little bonkers on them with the with the. Yeah. Uh, so I get your point is extremely valid. This is a very good Michigan defense. You know, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is a small sample size, but it's all we have to go off of right, right now. Right, so. right, 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 right. But you know, uh, the defense is extremely strong. Um, it'll be really interesting to see to really see if if they just. Do any put any wrinkles of their own, or they just say beat us. Uh, well, the part that one of the things I think Michigan State's going to have to do is they're going to have to score in the first half. Oh, absolutely, they have to score in the first half because, because Don Brown. I mean, this guy is a phenomenal defensive coordinator. I mean, he did wonders at Boston College, and that's a program. That I mean, <laughs> yeah, you can do something there. You can do something anywhere, especially with the just the the type of athletes that he's got now uh-huh. in Michigan, especially in that 
in that front seven. Again, I don't really, I would not have not been overly impressed. Like, I don't think their secondary is anything to be feared. I mean, they they lost a lot of good playmakers out of that secondary last Absolutely. year, pretty much the whole unit. Um, but that front seven, that's a, I mean, that is a that is a fierce group. They play a little bit of everything. They do like a weird three three five. They'll run a four two five. They'll run a standard four three. I mean, it is a hybrid defense. And the thing that's crazy. And what makes them so dynamic is a they have athletes all over the place at every level, especially in the linebacker and like defensive end positions. And then b is you don't know who's coming after you. Yeah, they could come from anywhere. And, yeah. and that's that's a dynamic that NFL quarterbacks have trouble diagnosing, let alone college kids in their eighth start like Brian Lewerke. So absolutely, and you know, um, like we talked about, fortunately, uh, the lights shine bright on both. Absolutely. So you have some some a pretty stout defense as well um and we're going up against a michigan offense that isn't that great right now it's 73rd in total offense in the country averaging about 5.8 yards per play and 74th in yards per game averaging about 407 it's not great and to your point not um awesome Uh, florida had a very good defense florida's got a good defense very good defense um some of the other teams they've played not great so it kind of balances out I think the thing that jumped out to me the most about their offense is that they have had 13 red zone attempts this mm-hmm. season that have resulted in four touchdowns. That's where the predictability comes in, and the and and not having Amara Darbo factors in there. Well, you, and not having Jake Butt. The, the the you're right. The the field gets really small really quickly, and you know as much as you want to bludgeon someone down the field, all of a sudden that back seven doesn't have anywhere to run backwards anymore. Right. So all of a sudden I can help contain. And, you know, that's led to, uh, you know, while they did score on 12 of 13 attempts, eight of them were field goals. Yeah, that's a lot of field goals. And that's settling for points. And in close games, like this one figures to be against, against teams with good defenses. You know, you saw it last week, it almost cost Michigan State. The inability to cash in on short fields. Um, have to. That's a massive, especially in a game like this. Like you said, lights shine bright. It's a rivalry game. Your, you can't leave points on the field, and that's a big deal because that's that's against Air Force, that's against Cincinnati, yeah. that's against Purdue. Yes, absolutely. You correct. know, it's not. And they have a they have a, a weapon. We mentioned our weapon. Yeah, man. On special teams, but theirs, uh, their kicker is very strong. Yeah, the They're true strong. freshman. I'm nicknaming him Sleepover. Sleepover. Sleepy. This is the kid, Quinn Nordine, who Harbaugh infamously stayed the night with uh, in his home, sleeping on his uh, floor so he could recruit him. He was the number one kicker recruit in the country. And honestly, at this point, as much as I hate to admit it, looks like it might have been worth it. <laughs> he's I, he's hitting bombs. I hate to correct you again, but it will never what? be worth it <laughs> to sleep on a young man's floor. Yeah, that's, it's it's that's called it's weird. That reeks of desperation. Well, it just reeks of Harbaugh. So you know what you can have him. Um, we'll take our young man uh, every day of the week, Matt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't have to sleep over. No, he's a normal kid Didn't that have doesn't to do need that. that type of attention. That's very true. <laughs> Quinn Nordine, though, is a weapon. Um, so let's let's talk about specifically players and matchups here. So uh, you mentioned that O'Corn obviously is all eyes on him. There was another offensive player we talked about. You thought it was going to be pretty key in this game. Yeah, I think um, again we've alluded to the fact that you know what Michigan's going to do. They're going to try to run the ball, and so I I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on on a couple of their running backs, uh, namely Ty Isaac. 
Um, he's the leads the team with 356 yards per game. You know, that's through four games. That's a, that's a lot, especially when he's splitting carries with guys like Karan Higdon and Chris Evans. Well, and he, you're right. And I mean, he is a, as significantly more yards per carry than Chris mm-hmm. Evans and Higdon. And while they're having great yards per carry, cause they have a really strong offensive line, um, at, 4.7 and 4.1 yards against their competition. Yeah. Um, averages. Um, Ty Isaac's averaging 6.2 yards a carry. That's yeah. crazy. Like, that's good. That's really good. I mean, oh, that that's, that's, that's exceptional. That's exactly. Um, and I think one of the reasons why, and again, I, I, I can't really break this down by quarter because I don't chart the Michigan games, but um, he is a big dude. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's 6'3", every bit of 228. So that's a hammer. And if a Michigan team is going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, try to wear you down in the fourth quarter, yeah. you got a 6'3", 228-dude barreling down on you who's been fresh because the other two guys are spelling him with carries. Yeah, I mean, he's only got 50-some carries. on. He's got 57 carries on the year, so he's taken 12 carries a game basically. Yeah, Maybe more, probably more. Math, not my strong suit. Um but he, it's not like he's got to tote the rock 30-plus times a game. So you're getting a fresh, big dude barreling down at you, and that's if you get by the fullbacks and the tight ends. So um, I bet he's had a he, he's he's a good fourth-quarter weapon for them, and I bet that's where he's made a lot of his hay. Well, here's where I, here's here's what will be big. I think, you know, Michigan, as we mentioned, is favored by double digits, regardless of where you look and see and whether we believe it's right or wrong. But the, in – Four total games, the game will be won or lost on touchdowns and field goals. If we can hold them to field goals. <laughs> Points. By what we can hold them to because they right. will get their opportunities. Mm-hmm. And Michigan in four games has scored nine total offensive touchdowns. Nine. It's not in many. In four games. It's not That's many. That's terrible. Now, as we mentioned, they have 11 uh, field goals mm-hmm. on the year, a safety, and four def- three defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown. Yeah. So, like, if you can, what we're saying is, if you can, can not get in your own way and not trip over yourself, mm-hmm. you can be positioned to win this game well, <laughs> without if, much of. If you can do the things you did last week, and not, and sorry, I'm saying you don't have to do anything special here. No, just yeah. don't trip on yourself. Michigan doesn't put you in positions where you have to do something special. You have to basically execute in the. They make you execute. <laughs> they make you execute on the in the ways that Michigan State had to execute last week. They make you because if you put them in good field position, they're going to score. Be it a field goal, and they'll chip away. They'll just rack up eleven field goals or yep. whatever. And um, they they make you play disciplined, sound football because again, they're not pulling many punches. They're not trying to trick you. They're not trying to um, keep you guessing. Absolutely. Really. Um, so I, I think being, being sad, winning the field, the field position game in this one is absolutely huge. Well, and that's what you talked about earlier is that's where we have the weapon. Absolutely. Jake Hartbarger, I mean, Hartbarger and Nordine could be two of the guys that absolutely, absolutely play huge role. They will be two of the guys that play huge, potentially game deciding roles in this game because MSU has to pin Michigan deep, they have the kicker to do it. Michigan has to cash in on field goals when they get the chance. They have the kicker to do it. It's right there, right? And you know, Hartberger, while he has, what he can't do is, like we talked about in weeks past, not specifically about him, but other players, don't try and be something you're not. Don't out, 
be bigger than your moment. Yep. He cannot kick his coverage. Yeah. It's he's done it before. He's done it in the past games, and he may feel like he has to do it in this game to get a little more field position back. You don't kick to people's Jones. I'll no. tell you that right now. And if you outkick your coverage with that guy, well, what we don't need is a special teams touchdown. No, that, <laughs> so, that'll turn the tide real quick. So so that's where it'll be really important where you have to play within yourself a little bit, mm-hmm. trust yourself, and you know, and, and we'll be in a really good spot. Uh, but he's a, certainly a weapon for us. Huge, huge part of the game. Huge part of the game. Winning the special teams, or at least coming to a draw on the special teams, is, is a big deal for Michigan State. They gotta play like vets even though they aren't. <laughs> well, that's that's yeah. like they did season. last last like they did last week though. This the mean, whole season, right? That's why last week's so big. You're right. Michigan State executed. They did what they needed to do. You saw that they could do it. They now have confidence they can do it. Now it's time to do it in the bright lights. Well you know what? I think to steal a phrase from you, if last week was a quiz, yeah. This week's a test. Big time. Right? So and pass the quiz, time to step up. Yep, pass the quiz. All right, so uh, let's talk um, any specific MSU players you think we need to keep an eye on uh, besides the obvious. Right, besides the working. Yeah, besides uh, yeah. the... <laughs> um, he's, yeah, I think everybody knows the deal with the working. He's got to be smart. I think Michigan State's going to use him in some some design quarterback runs to provide an element that at least keeps Don Brown guessing. But um, I think the biggest matchup offensively for Michigan State it might surprise some people, but I think it's um, Michigan de- Michigan defensive end Chase Winovich against uh, MSU left tackle Cole Chewins. So Winovich was a, de- a pretty decent recruit for them, I believe, but you know was not like a super special player last year. The super special player is the guy that opens everything up for him on the other side of the line, and that's Rashawn Gary, number Sorry. one recruit in the country yep. two two recruiting cycles ago. Um, played a ton as a true freshman and is having a phenomenal season. You know, he's the type of guy though that in a three-three-five, his numbers may not ever add up to be anything. You know, anything incredible at this point. Like yeah. he, he's not going to jump off the page with sacks at this point. He's not going to. Let's see here. He is. He has one and a half. No, actually, only has half a sack. Only one and a half tackles for loss. Uh, only five solo tackles. But a lot of that is because he is getting double and triple teamed and chipped on, on every single play. But what that does is it opens up the other tackle for Chase Winovich. Yep. Um, and Winovich is going up against Cole Chewins, and if he has the same type of success as he has against Chewins as he has against other left tackles, Michigan State's in trouble. He's got five sacks already on the year. Mm-hmm. He's getting home. Um, so... Chewins is going to need to win that battle. Uh, I think the good news is that Chewins is a better pass protector than he is a run blocker, and Winovich is a pass rusher. So that's I think that's good, and, and Chewins has really played pretty strongly so far. But that's it's going to be interesting to see what MSU does. Uh, if they run a little too tight on sets, they've never been afraid to use a fullback. Um, I think you might see them with a fairly conservative game plan, but th- that's a big one. And then the other guy who MSU needs to look out for um, and I'm not sure who to say in terms of what type of Michigan State player is going to be accountable for this. Again, besides Lewerke, but they got to keep an eye on Devin Bush, that linebacker for Michigan. Yeah. Um, he is just everywhere. Don Brown loves to blitz from all over the place, and he has the athletes to do it. The chief athlete is Devin Bush. You can play him at pretty much anywhere on the line, or excuse me, as a linebacker. They bring him down up next to the defensive ends. 
Um, he's not much of a coverage linebacker, but he is a hell of an athlete. He's got five sacks. He can make those big hits. Sometimes that gets him in trouble. He's gotten ejected for yeah. targeting yeah. More, more than one time and could have been again against Purdue a couple weeks ago. Sounds like a he's kind a of guy can get riled up. Yeah, he's kind of a head case. He's he's uh, at least he on on field. I don't know if he's a head case as a kid. I have no idea. But um, you can get riled up. He can get him riled emotional. up, and you can yeah, he can be an emotional kid, and he plays with emotion, which a lot of the time is really powerful and allows him to make these big plays and be all over the field. But you know, that's the type of thing that maybe if Michigan State can get get his goat a little bit. Wouldn't hurt. Exploit him. So I uh, don't want to get into predictions if you don't want to get one. But I'm going to put you yeah. on the spot. Okay. Give me a prediction. It doesn't have to be the final score. What do you predict will happen in this game? I think, again, just like I said last week, I think this is an, has all the makings of an ugly old school Big Ten game. Okay. Um, both of these teams are who they are. I don't think you see too much. I think if Michigan State was more of a senior-laden team that had been in this spotlight and that had a quarterback who they really felt like was ready, not that they don't think Lewerke's ready for the moment, but who had danced in the big dance before, um, they might cut open that playbook a little bit. When they played with Connor Cook two years ago and he was a senior, they threw the ball over the field. Let him go. Um but that's not going to happen with Lewerke. I think you'll see I, – I think it'll be ugly. I think Michigan State is going to do the same thing they tried to do against Iowa, and that is run the ball to keep the Michigan defense honest, try to capitalize on play action, um, but not get sloppy and turn the ball over. They're going to try to pin Michigan back deep and rely on their defense. It's really an old-school Michigan State approach. They're going to try to – Control field position, control the clock, just dare Michigan to... They're going to try to get Michigan to play outside of themselves. And I think the same goes for, for U of M. What and whoever can succeed in doing that, whoever can change the narrative and get the other team to have to try to do something else, is is or whoever can make that big play on special teams. So my prediction is that neither team scores over 24 points. It's very possible neither team scores twenty points. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think I think MSU's defense is for real, and I I think I don't think O'Corn's very good. That's going to end up coming back to bite me, but I don't think so, he's very good. So with that, um, little little nugget of knowledge for everyone: if you're if you're the gambling type, uh, in the past nine Michigan State Michigan games, MSU has covered the spread in nine straight. That is that's a considerable. Thing. Yeah. That doesn't happen. That's a big often. deal. Yeah. So um, we'll be interested to see where the line settles, but it, it's likely going to stick around 10. Um, and uh, if you think that no, neither team's going to score tw- more than 24 points, we're going to have a, a little bit of a slugfest like you mentioned. Yeah. So we'll get to our prop bet. Last week, the prop bet, Austin, uh, just dominated. <laughs> it was it was combined D'Antonio. This was easy. Yeah, it was combined D'Antonio versus uh, Ferenc Scowls um, versus total Michigan State third down conversions. Well, MSU only had five. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking they were going to just kind of walk a little bit on Iowa. I guess no, not. Not the case. So Scowls destroy in this pop prop bet, but I'm gonna have a really good one for you. Okay. I'm really excited. You alluded to neither team scoring more than potentially 24 points. Yeah. Uh, the 
over under as it stands today is it opened at 39.5 okay Ooh. now the prop bet for you will the total points of the michigan state versus michigan football game be greater which will be greater that or total arrests <laughs> slash ejections from the michigan stadium oh. in the night game if you i'm going to give you a little context yeah i need it i need a time frame do I have 24 hours? No, this is not a 24-hour uh, time frame. The way East Lansing PD um, releases, the, luckily for us, um, Ann Arbor PD will provide us just with stadium ejection cylinder. Uh, perfect. And, and arrests. Last year in Ann Arbor, they averaged a pro, uh, 33. Arrests per game? Arrests plus ejections. Mostly ejections, mm. okay? Kids Arre- getting kicked out. Yeah, getting kicked Got out. It. It, in Ooh. fact, thank, thanks to our brothers, uh, 11 Warriors. Yeah. They put this together for us the last year. Um, Michigan, as, through eight games, 236 total ejections, 28 total arrests. Um, combine that, divide it, you get approximately uh, 33. So this is a rivalry game, and it's at night. The average is going to go up. Yeah. What do you got? Total oh. points or ejections? Oh, I'm going with ejections. Ejection, really? Yeah. I just think back on when I was a student and when I, and when I went to Michigan for two separate Michigan Michigan State games, and Remember those were noon games. Just in the stadium. Those were. It we're doesn't to, doesn't okay. matter. I'm okay. I'm unfaced. Yeah. If you were gonna if you were gonna give me Ann Arbor oh, police, or, no, I would never. MIP arrest. It's no. it's a landslide. No. I might give you eighty points. Um, can I get a can while we're at it? Give me a guess. I don't want these things to happen. Uh, I mean, I think. Way. Oh yeah, no, I'm thinking. I mean, I think we're at. Yeah, you're you're well over forty. I mean, I think you're talking fifty. I mean, you've Touching got fifty. You're. This is the first Michigan Michigan State night game. Yeah, it's gonna get okay. A, a whoa, it's gonna get so ugly. you've got students that have been drinking for. I'm I'm gonna guess if the game starts at eight o'clock, they've been drinking for at least ten hours, it's eight to ten hours yeah. on the extreme side. You've also got people who have had all day to tailgate. You've got fan bases that do not like each other. Yeah, and and I feel like I we're mean, getting a little too hard on the students. I'd like to th- no, it's a throw- comp- it's a compliment. I would like to also throw out that I have no data, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a lot of the guys that were kicked out of the Michigan Stadium didn't go there, and also, <laughs> and also didn't ever. Uh, we're not students at the time, so yeah. I, so don't put it all on the students. Uh, it's not all on the students. I'm just remembering when I was a student, and like, listen, it's a hundred thousand people in that stadium, and you're yeah. gonna tell me that forty of them aren't gonna get kicked out. <laughs> I want to see the end of the game. Yeah, but uh, yeah. all right, whatever. You and I are somewhat yeah. sensible people. All right. Well, uh, this was fun. Yes. I can't wait till we regroup next week to get to talk about yeah. um, what would likely be and hopefully be a very fun Man, episode. It, it, huh? it would be it, it, this. I, I, w- I do want to say before we go that this, if Michigan State found a way to win this game, and it's funny because I kind of say this every year, but um, this one in particular would be really, really sweet. They all are. They all are. <laughs> they all are. But this one, but everyone, it's like every, it's like a snowflake. Like everyone, everyone has its own unique design and like. It's like you. It's its know. own special thing. And you know what? I don't have kids. I'm sure it's like you yeah. love all your kids, right? For a different reason. Yeah. This <laughs> one, though, I would, this, this would be one of my favorites because 
you know, Michigan thinks this, they think this is a very, very good team and it, it's a great defense and, and just what it could, it has the potential, even if Michigan state doesn't win, it's not going to derail their season by any stretch, but if they did win, that would, that would, uh, send a lot of the right messages to, to a lot of the right people. So. Well, let's do it. Have fun, let's everybody. Be safe. Do not be one of those people that gets ejected or, do not. or arrested in Ann Arbor if you're going. If you are, though, write in, please. Please let us know. <laughs> I'd love to hear you, how the things worked out at Ann Arbor PD. Yeah. Um, so for John, I'm Austin. Uh, go green. Let's go get them. Go white. Go green. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.